Hey everybody, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. And I just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast today. I hope this message inspires you and encourages you. Enjoy today's message. family matter? Let me say it one more time. Let me ask it one more time. Does family matter? Okay, so you say family matters, and I say family matters, and so let's talk about it. So today the title of the message is going to be Family Matters. Would you agree with me that some some of the greatest times of joy and the greatest times of love will be experienced in family? Would you agree with that? I mean, some of the greatest times, no matter, we always, we're taught this, that there's no love like a mother's love, that mom is going to love you no matter what, right? And so there's no, there's some of the greatest joy that can be expressed and found in family. But also, I would say on the other side of that, would you agree with me at times that there's no greater hurt than can be found in families at times? I mean, you know, it's one thing when somebody else says something to you or hurts your feelings, but it's another thing when your family does it. And so it's, so it's a great pain. Matter of fact, I did some research this week and found out that 50% of all police uh, calls that come into the police are domestic disputes. 50% of all our police officers are engaged uh, their time in domestic disputes. So there's a lot of issues within families. And what is amazing to me is this, is that how in our culture today, we will go put up all these security systems in our homes. We'll put up cameras and everything else and put deadbolts on our doors to keep all those people from outside from coming in and harming our family. Yet that is a very small risk compared to what the damage could be on the inside of our home. Are you tracking with me? And so, so there's a lot more uh, of a challenge and there's a lot more of a percentage that probably harm is going to come on the inside of our walls as far as like things that, you know, we, we hurt each other's feelings or, or some kind of domestic dispute. Maybe you don't have to call the police for it, but, but it does damage to us. And so today we want to talk about that. And, and I found a solution that I want to share with you that, that ups the odds of you learning how to protect what's on the inside of your walls as much as you do on the outside of your walls, okay? And so today, I want to give you a statement. I hope you remember this the rest of your life. I hope that when you go to sleep tonight that it's resonating in your mind. I hope that you're dreaming about it tonight. I mean, are you getting me? (laughs) It's tracking with me. I hope you get it. And it's this statement is this. It's coming up, and I'd like you to say it with me. You ready? Let's say it together. Here we go. Ready? Focusing my family on God changes everything. Come on, one more time. Ready? Focusing my family on God changes everything. It changes everything. Focusing my family on God changes everything. So listen, when you focus your family on God, all of a sudden what you're doing is you're upping the opportunity for love to grow, joy to grow within your home, and you're decreasing the odds of pain and dispute to happen in your family. It doesn't all go away, but it it definitely lowers those odds of that. And so today I want to talk to you about that. I want to give you four things today that I think that we can learn in our families that's going to help us no matter, where you, no matter what seat you sit in, whether you're son, daughter, brother, sister, or mother, or father, or grandparent. It can help us all. You ready? Let's go. So here we go. 
In a family, we can learn to, number one is this, connect with God and others. Connect with God and others. I want to point you to the very first uh, book of the Bible, Genesis. And in this, you're going to see God has created Adam. And look what it says. It says, the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be what? To be alone. Have you ever, has it ever crossed your mind? And have you ever thought about why, why did God wait to create Eve? I mean, don't you think that God in all knowing that he was going to create Eve, but why, why did he wait? Well, I, you know, you pose that question to some ladies and they will be glad to tell you that God created Adam and looked at that and said, mm, I can do better than that. Created a woman. <laughs> so some say, okay, I'm just going to leave it right there, all right? But, you know, I believe the reason that God did that was because he wanted Adam to experience life without woman, without Eve, to find out the loneliness that he had. That there was something that was missing in his life, that he needed a connection, that, that all, he saw all the other animals, you know, had mates, and, so, and they had this connection. But Adam felt lonely, and God wanted Adam to experience that little bit of loneliness so he would appreciate Eve once she came into his life. And I would tell you this, that it took Eve and God to bring completion to Adam's life. And that's what God saw about that. And that was the need of this connection that happened in their life. And I would ask you this question. Would you agree with me today that one of the greatest enemies of connections in our family is busyness? Would you agree with that? We're all so busy, aren't we? Would you also agree with me that the other greatest thing that destroys connectivity in our families is technology? Would you agree with that? I mean, isn't it really hard to have a conversation with someone now for more than two minutes without them going, yeah, I know what you're talking about. And yeah, yeah, yeah. That doesn't happen at your homes. Okay, you're looking at me like I'm crazy, but yes. I mean, isn't it you can't have a conversation more than two minutes with someone without them automatically pulling out their phone and looking at it while they're talking to you. And I don't know about you, but sometimes this fit of rage goes through me, and I just want to slap it right out of their hand, don't you? I'm sorry, I shouldn't be telling you about that domestic dispute, but anyway. <laughs> don't, don't you want to, I mean, this, you feel that, you want that connectivity happening in your lives. And so I would say that to you. So I want to share something with you that I've learned that is so true. If you, want to, if you want to keep connectivity between you and your family or anyone else, if you want to keep that, then here's what I've learned. You have to have a meaningful conversation at least once every two weeks. If, you're going to have, if you want to keep connectivity between you and your family, someone in your family or, or a friend or whomever, it doesn't matter, there has to be a meaningful conversation at least once every two weeks to, for that to happen. If you go longer than that, then there's going to get distance in between that. And you know what? See, immature people say, well, they haven't called me. I ain't calling them. That's what immature people say. You see, and immature people are always mad. You know how they cover up their immaturity? With anger. They go, well, they ain't called me in a year. They, ain't, they haven't spoke to me. They haven't called me in six months. Well, let me just tell you something. That line works both ways. And, and you know what I've discovered is that when, many times in my life, I have to keep being immature. And now let me just uh, share this with you. If you're trying to connect with someone that's under uh, 30 years of age, first of all, calling them, they don't understand what that means. <laughs> when, the fo when their phone rings and they see who it is, that doesn't mean answer it. That just means, oh, they're trying to call me. They put it back up. 
Okay, so d- d- don't be offended by that. Don't be offended by that. So, so what you, you have to text, right? And you text, and guess what? You text the first time, you don't get a response. That's, don't be offended by that. Okay, so it takes five texts to get one response from someone under 30. It does, that's just the way it works, right? Am I right about that? Okay, so I used to get so mad at my kids. I'm like, I bought you that phone. And I, when my number comes up, you better answer it. And that worked well while they were in my house. But once they moved out, I didn't have that leverage anymore. And so what I understand is that even with my children is that I can call them all day long. They're not going to answer. doesn't mean they're mad at me, doesn't like me, just that's their nature. And then I have to text them three times. And then about the third or fourth time, a couple days later, they'll text me back. <laughs> just the way it goes. And so what I could do as, the, as I could say, well, you know what? I'm sick and tired of this. I am not going to do that. I'm not going to chase them. But you know what? If I do that, I sever the relationship. I make the choice that, I, you know, okay, this is what it takes right now. Now, one day they're going to grow and they're going to mature a little bit. And they're going to want dad's wisdom. I mean, when I'm 90 and I'm on my deathbed, maybe they want <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> But you see what I'm talking about? And so I just want you to understand, make that connection. And I want to challenge you, and I want to ask you a question. Who in your family do you need to make a connection with? Who is it? You need to get that name in your mind, and you need to make it life too short. And so I want to challenge you today is this, is what I want to ask you this question. is on your connection card. There is a next step. I want, to, I want to go ahead and make a challenge. It says, I will make an effort to connect with my family through conversation. Now, those of you that are married... And you have smaller children that are like in the fifth grade or below. We want to help you out with that. And so we're going to do a, a parents' night out. It's for you to, to, we're going to do a time of about two or three hours so you can go out and have dinner and have a meaningful conversation. We're going to take care of your children, all right? You can sign up on your connection card right there. Now, let me just tell you something. That's a limited time. You don't come back and get them, we're going to mail them to you. <laughs> just saying, all right? We are not keeping them. Just want you to know that. And so... Remember, now you remember what we said when we started off this thing that I said, I hope you wake up thinking about tonight and you dream about, here it is, it's coming up on the screen again. Let's say it together. Here we go. Let's say it. Focusing my family on God changes everything. It changes everything. It changes everything. Okay, so in a family, we can learn to, number two, grow in God's character. Grow in God's character. That's what we can learn in family. Now, I want to share this with you. Remember, everybody's connected to somebody. But what I want to share you is a parent. Listen, if you're a parent or you think you one day will be a parent, understand this is your job. Your number one job is teaching your children to live life without you. To live life. In other words, like as they get older, you should be releasing them more and more and more. And and, and no longer do they have this great need of you in their life. They should learn to live without you because, listen, if, if, if time goes on, one day you're not going to be here. So the role is, is to teaching your children to learn to live a life without you, without having to count on you all the time. But instead of them having to count on you all the time, the, the goal is teaching them to live life without you, but with God. In other words, they should learn that, that as your role goes, you diminish and then God increases. Instead of, instead of having to seek you all the time and go to you for money all the time, hallelujah, glory to God. All right, I thought I'd wake you up right there. 
instead of having to go to you all the time, that they would learn to trust God and go to Him more and more. And as the older they get, they should quit coming to you as much and start going to Him more. That is the role of parents is to say, okay, there's going to come a time to where we're going to decrease that God may increase, right? And that is the goal of parents is teaching our children to do that. And we want to teach them godly character. Now, when I was growing up in the late 70s, early 80s, uh, we rode dinosaurs back then. Some of you are wondering about that. But and, and we, had, we had in our house call, something called a coffee table. Does anybody remember a coffee table? Does anybody? Okay, right. These people are older 40, all right? So some of you can Google that. <laughs> so there was a coffee table in our living room, right? And guess what was sitting on that coffee table? A family Bible, that's right. I mean, that sucker was this high, right? It was that thick. It was this big. Anyway, I'm not, am I lying about that, folks? Uh uh-uh. That thing was that thick. It had everybody's birthday in it. It had anniversaries in it. I mean, it was on the center of the table. Now, I can tell you that in my grandmother's house, not everything that I heard in that house was godly. <laughs> I'll just be honest with you, okay? It, Matter of fact, I didn't even know God existed in some of the conversation. But what I can tell you was, is that, that it sent, there was a Bible there to say, listen, this is what our family should be built around, whether we're doing it or not, God should be the center. And when Rhonda and I got married, one of our friends back then gave us a big family Bible. I mean, that thing is like that thick, it's that big, and it's in our bedroom. It's sitting on uh, one of our uh, cabinets there in the bedroom. And so, uh, but what I'm telling you, what was important about that and what that symbolized back in the day was that God should be the center of the home. And it's by God's Word that you grow in godly character. And when you grow in godly character, you're going to be successful, right? So if you build your life on God's Word, then the the chances are of you being successful go way up. Would you agree with that? Look what the Bible says here in, in Psalms. Let's read those first three words out loud. You ready? Come on, let's read them. God blesses those. Do you want to be blessed? Tune in right here. Here it is. God blesses those who don't walk with the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with those who make fun of God and good. Instead, they love what? There's a secret right there. That's the secret to success. They love God's Word, and they think about it day and night. Notice that. They are like trees growing by a river bank that bears fruit and don't dry up. As a result, let's read the rest of it. You ready? Come on. They succeed in everything they do. They succeed in everything they do. You see, what I want you to understand is, is our children have never been good at doing what we tell them to do. And you, you when you were a child, neither did you. you. You didn't do everything your parents said to do. But we never fail to do what our, what our parents do. We repeat what they do. Would you agree with that? And so I would tell you that if we're going to have godly character in our home, then God's Word is so important. And so if your children, listen, if your children are under the age of 10, at night go up to their bedroom before you put them down. Get their children's Bible out if they're younger. Read the Bible to them. Share God's Word with them. And then when they get older, from 10 and 11 years old, you up, they're not going to want you to come in their bedroom. That's when they're going through this change. Anybody, you know what I'm talking about? That change can be rough. There's something about the change. <laughs> Woo! I just better move on off of that. <laughs> but that, that change happening, and, 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 and all of a sudden they can become like little monsters, you know, like 
Get out of my room. And so, so you can't do that anymore. So this is what I tell you to do is that, listen, get the, get the Bible and sit down. And when they, get up, when they get up, now, I notice many of you, like you read your Bible on your phones, you read it on your iPads and all that stuff. Thank, that's awesome. Yes, wonderful. But the problem is they can't see that. They don't know if you're scrolling through Facebook or you, you're doing some game or something. They don't know. So I challenge you to get a Bible, <laughs> blow the dust off of it, and, 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 and just stage it. You know, even if you're not reading it, just let them see you looking at it. <laughs> I mean, put it, get it, put it in your lap sometime. When, they, when they're going to get up and go to school, just have it sitting in your lap and go, wow. You know, or, or sit, at the, sit at the table and, and just, just, whoa, whoa, whoa. You don't have to read it. You just look at it, you know, and, and just look what happened. You know what a guy told me last service after I said this? He said, you know what my grandfather did to me? I said, what did he do? He said, my grandfather walked around with a Bible and say, he said, oh, I don't understand it. He said, here, he said, listen, can you read this? Because I can't understand. He said, he'd hand the Bible to me and ask me to read that. He says, read it. He said, because I don't understand it. Can you explain it to me? He said, I read it and I try to explain it to my grandfather. He said, my grandfather knew that all the time. He was getting me to read the Bible. <laughs> Trick them. It don't matter. God blesses that. Amen. <laughs> Just get them to read the Bible. Now, I want to look what the next verse says. Proverbs 22, 6 says this, teach your children how they should live, and let's read the rest of it. Ready? They will remember it all their lives. That's it. Some things you can't get out of your mind. <laughs> One of the things I can't get out of my mind, talking about that with the Bible. I remember getting up in the middle of the night, and my dad, I guess he couldn't sleep or something, and there he was in his drawers reading the Bible. <laughs> Scarred me. <laughs> Whew. I never forget about the Bible because I can't get that picture out of my mind. But anyways. But I, I want to be honest with you. This year I've had the privilege of sharing in, in, in wedding ceremonies of some, some uh, students that have grown up in SEC. It has been the highlight of my year to experience this with them. You know why? Because as, when you do that, there's a, there's a mandatory premarital session that we got to have. And so we will get together and we will talk about all kinds of stuff. And we'll, you know, we talk about the stuff that they probably don't want to talk about. You know, the hard stuff like money and sex. It's like, can you imagine sitting there talking to your pastor about sex? You know, it's like, oh, my God, you know, I ain't married yet, man. Come on, leave me alone. But it's the hard stuff people fight over. And so, but I can tell you, usually, in, in most cases, you know what? Young couples would rather talk about sex than money because, you know, they can talk about that, but money, uh-uh, you know, we ain't talking about that. Well, I'm going to tell you, that's not the case with the people, with the, the young people of SEC. And these couples I've sat down with, you know what, when I started to say something about finances, they got excited. They leaned in. I'm like, oh, what's going on here? They leaned in. They said, oh, pastor, we, yeah, we believe in tithing. We want you, pastor, we want you to know our finances. We believe, first of all, in tithing. We believe that God blesses us, and we believe that God will take care of us, and we've seen his reward. We're already tithing, pastor. And you, they said, pastor, we, we, we've been through financial peace. We already got our budget set it up. We know exactly what we're going to do. We know how, we're gonna, how much it's going to cost to live. We got a budget set up, and I'm like, are you kidding me? Do you know how many people that, that I meet that's 40 years old that's getting married that don't even have a budget? And here are these young folks, that we got it. You know why they got it? 
It's because they've been a part of this church. It's not so much what I taught them, but I got a chance to teach their parents. And we got a chance to invest in their parents. And their parents had been through like financial peace. And their parents had been tired. And guess what? They were repeating what their parents had done. And so now the reason that I'm so excited about this next generation and I'm excited about these 20-year-olds and these 30-year-olds, why? Because the seeds that have been planted through this church are growing and it's taking root and their lives are better. They're starting off better than we did. They're starting off at a higher level. Why? Because we've invested in them. It's parents. Parents. Listen, more is caught than taught. Yeah, I can say it all day long. That's why we say at SEC that we're partnering with families because we can only teach it. But when you implement it in your family, it just does something to them. And so, moms and dads, I just want to congratulate you and say thank you because it's paying off. I'm seeing it in your children. And, and this is what I want you to know. You can't control your children's choices. You can't. But you can control your example. Let me say it again. You can't control your kids' choices. You wish you could. But you can control your example. It doesn't matter. You might be the brother. You might be the sister. You might be the son or daughter. And it may be you that needs to set the example. You can't control other people's choices, but you can control your example. And I want to challenge you to do that. So I have a next step for you on this card. It says this. It says, I will make an effort to read the Bible daily at o'clock. You figure it out. When's a good time to set your kids up? Don't do it in your underwear, but anyways. <laughs> set them up. You figure it out. Remember the, remember the thing we talked about is coming up on the screen that we said we don't want you to ever forget. And here it is. Let's say it together. Ready? Come on. Focusing my family on God changes everything. It changes everything. Okay. In a family, we can learn to, number three, is serving God's church. Serving God's church. How many of you in this room would say, I just want the people in my family to be happy? Let me see your hands. I just want to be happy. Okay. That's the majority of us. Those that didn't raise your hand, we got a bigger problem. <laughs> Maybe the reason they're not happy is because you don't want them to be. How many of you say, okay, well, you know what? Now, let's go a little deeper. I just want my children to be happy. Let me see your hands. Parents, let me see your hands. Okay, great. That's everybody here. I just want to be happy. Well, let me tell you, happiness comes through self-respect. When your children respect themselves, then they're happy. I know our culture has said happiness comes through making sure that they have high self-esteem. And that's good for them to have a good self-esteem, but that is too high of a self-esteem makes them selfish and conceited right? And look what the Bible says. The Bible says this in Philippians 2 and 3, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem, notice that, esteem others better than themselves. That means, that simply means value others, to value others. See if you can finish this statement with me. The family that prays together. Okay, we all know that. We all know that. I want to give you another one today that I think is going to help you even more than that. The family that serves in church together stays in church together. Amen. Let me say it again. The family that serves in church together stays in church together. Again, one of the greatest uh, things that we've experienced is that we have more 20-somethings in our church now than ever in our history, ever. 20-somethings. 
You see, what we did after, I've been the pastor here for 24 years. After 17 years of being the pastor here, I actually uh, looked at, at, at uh, the number of students that we had that had been through our youth program, but were now adults in our congregation. You know what I found? After 17 years of being the pastor here, we had one person that had become an adult that was a teenager in our church, become an adult, and still part of our church. One. It was hard, but it wasn't working. And so we said, God, something's got to happen. And so that's when Pastor Chesney and our family ministries team, we began to say, something's got to change. And, and so she helped us design, a, uh, restructure our program. She said, Pastor, this is what we got to do. We got to start getting our fourth and fifth graders involved in serving. And so she said, once we get our fourth and fifth graders involved in serving, then our middle schoolers involved in serving and our high schoolers involved in serving, then it's going to change their life. And we've seen that to be the case. That listen, that when a, when a child begins to serve in a church, guess what? They continue to serve when they're in middle school. They'll continue to serve when they're in high school. And they continue to serve when they're in college. It's amazing. When they come back from college, they want to say, okay, I'm ready to serve again. And they'll serve again. And guess what? When they get graduate from college, if they move back into the area, they come right back here and they say, I want to serve again. Why? Because we've been, we've been so busy trying to make our kids feel so great about themselves when they need, they don't need to feel great about themselves. They need a great cause to live for. And when we found out that works, listen, when, when these, when these elementary students are there helping the kids in the preschool with an adult, guess what? Their lives matter. It, Sunday morning matters. They're making a difference. When, when they're, when these middle schoolers are there working in kids church and, and they're being a mentor to someone younger than them, their lives has meaning and it matters. It makes a difference in what they're doing. And I want you to know that that is the strategy of our church is that we will do this with them. Listen, we're not the church that says you sit over there and when you get 40 years old, we'll let you do something. Heck no, we need them right now, right? There, there's nothing like when you go out there and you, and you look in the cafe and you see a mom and a daughter and a, a, a mom and dad and a son and daughter serving together. Why? Because it makes an impression on that child that says, this feels good. This is good. This is great. And when they think about God's house, they think about the goodness that it brings them. They think about how it makes them feel good to serve other people. Thinking that they didn't come to sit soaking sour. I'm preaching better than your amen. I want you to, listen, if you want your kids to stay in church, you've got to figure out how to connect them to the church and serve because that's what matters. We found it study after study. And listen, all these millennials now, everybody says, the world says millennials don't want anything to do with God. They don't even like religion. They don't even believe in God. Well, I want to tell you, that's a bold-faced lie. Because what we've found is that we got a church full of millennials that said, we want to come to church, but we want to do something. And what we found out is that, listen, we need their technology, and they need our wisdom. Listen, I don't know how to work all the technology, but they do. And if, and if we can just get together and work together, we can do something great for God. And do you know that camera shot that you're seeing right now that looks so pretty? There's a, there's a young person that's running that camera. You can't see them. They're running the camera. They're in a little room over here. You know, those slides that you see, there's a young person that's doing that. They're running all the technology. They, could, they got the power of the service. I mean, you know, listen, there, there's a 23-year-old that's running the sale back there. She could cut me off at any minute and be done. <laughs> and being that I'm her father, she probably wants to.
what, I, what I'm telling you, listen, I, I can't express this enough. You know, when we see ushers bring their children down and, sh- and let them usher with them, it means something to them. And, and if, you want, if you want your child to continue to go to church, then teach them to serve in church. The sermon won't do it, but them living it will. And so I want to challenge you, if you haven't yet, take your middle schooler to growth track. Take your high schooler to growth track. And listen, you, you can go to growth track right after this service in our West Auditorium. It starts at 12 o'clock. Just take them. I know they're expecting you to take them to lunch, but say, no, we're going to go here first. And give them something to live for. They need a great cause to live for. And so I want to challenge you to do that. Okay, remember what we said here. Remember what we said. Our main point is this. Let's say it again. You ready? Here we go. Focusing my family on God changes everything. It changes everything. Okay. In a family, we can learn to, number four, is share God's message. Share God's message. We can learn to share God's message. You know... Family's all about learning to share. Would you agree with that? Don't you remember that your parents say, well, you got to share that. No, I bought this candy. <laughs> right? Remember thinking that? You, you earned your own money. With your own money, you went and bought that candy. You thought it's mine. You get home, your parents said, no, you're going to share that. What do you mean? No, you're going to share that. And so in families, we learn to share. And, and then when I was growing up, listen, we had small houses and big families. There were so many of us, they called us a litter. I'm not kidding, like, you know, a, a cat has a litter, a dog has a litter of children. That's what they called us. We, we had to share everything. You know, we, we, shared, we shared our uh, our bedrooms, and we didn't share our bedroom. We shared our beds as well. We had a little brother. That I had a little brother who was in the bed with me until I got out of the house and got married. <laughs> and I thought, you know, they were, gonna, they were celebrating that I was getting married because I was getting him the whole bed. <laughs> we had to learn to share and the most important thing that you can learn to share in your family, you can share your faith with your children and your brothers and your sisters. Those are in, that's the most important thing to do. And the Bible points this out. There's a guy named Timothy, that one of the guys that wrote some of the Scripture named Paul wrote. Look what he said about Timothy. He said this in 1 Timothy 5 and 7. He said, I've been reminded of your sincere faith, faith which lived in who? Your grandmother, Lois, and also in your mother, Eunice, that's right. And I am persuaded now lives where? In you. Who shared your faith with? Who shared? Who told you about God? In my life, listen, you've heard me tell the story of a guy by the name of Randy Brooks when I was a teenager who showed me Christ. But let me tell you something. It didn't start there. It started with my family. Did they do it all just right? No, but they did make me aware of God. And they made me aware of God. They told me about God. You know, and my, my mother did the best she could. She put me on a church bus and sent me to, to church because she knew that I needed to know about God. When I moved in with my dad, he made me go to church. He made me go to church. I mean, I had to go to church. We were on drugs. We were drugged to church Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night. We were drugged all the time. Just drug everywhere. So made me go. And, you know, that whole time he was, he was sharing his faith with me the whole time. But there was a guy, Randy, that come at the right time, and God used what all he had put, said to me. God had already been working through my family, and at the right time I accepted Christ. It was what my family done that prepared me for that moment. And so I want to tell you we have to share our faith with others. And, and today, I want to be honest with you, we talked about that security system when we opened up, about the cameras and all that. We do so much to protect our family from what's out there, but what's more important is what's in here. 
What's most important is in here. We can, listen, if you'll put enough in here, God will help them take care of what's out there. Right? Just put enough in here. Now, the look at the, we're, we're about to do our back-to-school prayer over our children. As I prayed this week and asked God to help you and help me, He's given me a prayer that we should pray. And I pray that you would pray this prayer every day over your children, your sons and your daughters, your brothers and your sisters, whoever's in school or whoever goes anywhere. Look what it says. It's in 2 Timothy. It says this. For God did not give us a spirit of what? But a spirit of power, of love, and self-discipline. Oh, listen to me just a second. We're in an epidemic in our culture. Our kids are so afraid. They're so overwhelmed with anxiety. I'm talking about kindergartners are overwhelmed with anxiety. Middle schoolers are over, overwhelmed with anxiety. College students are overwhelmed with anxieties. And young adults that's going in that first job are overwhelmed with anxiety. And there's many people in their 50s and 60s that are overwhelmed with anxiety. But I want to tell you something. God says this, that we can teach our children this. The best thing you can teach them is this, is that God did not give you a spirit of fear. That spirit of fear is not coming from God, but God has given you the spirit of power. That means this, is that when you walk into that classroom, you put your shoulders back and you realize that God is with you, that God will never leave you nor forsake you, that he'll go with you all the way to the end, and that you're never alone, and that you're as strong as God is, and God is with you, and there is no harm going to come your way because the power of God is with you. Power of God. The power of God. Our children have to understand that they've got the power of God. You see, it's not enough to know. It's not enough to know that, that mommy's going to be close by. It's not enough to know that dad's going to bail them out. It's not enough to know that they got the right friends. Living the best friend that they can have is Jesus Christ, and He'll never leave them nor forsake them. He'll walk with them all the way to the end. He's their friend. When everybody else walks out, He walks in, and they need to know. They need to know that the love of God is with them. Listen, when everybody's talking about them. When they, when they posted something on social media bad about them, and they feel like the, wor- the world is caving in on them, and the devil is saying, nobody likes you. You need to end your life. You do, you're not worth living. They need to know that there's a God that loves them no matter what. That will go with them all the way to the end. They will never leave there. The God of all mercy, the God of all life, the God that is the God of everything, well, we will be with them 24 hours a day. And when you don't think that I like it, and when you don't think your mother likes I want you to know that you got to know that God always likes you. You're number one on his list. You're number one on his priority. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. He is a God of God that loves you. And he calls your name early in the morning. He calls your name at noontime. He calls your name at the midnight hour. He calls your name way in the morning. He's a God that will never, ever forsake you. He's God. He loves you. You gotta know that. You gotta know that you gotta know that God is with you. You gotta know. Even when you think the pastor doesn't love you or the youth pastor doesn't love you, you gotta know that God loves you. You gotta know that. You gotta know, you gotta know. God gives us a path, gives us a spirit. He didn't give us a spirit of fear, but no, you got the spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. Oh, I love this. When everybody else is toking and smoking. Oh, when, when everybody else is looking at porn. When everybody else is, is getting on social media and blasting everybody else. 
when everybody else is having sex, when everybody else is doing all this wrong, you've got to know that you're too blessed to get in that mess. You've got to know that God is with you and that God gives you the power to say no. You've got to know. You've got to know. Our children got to know. And the only way they're going to know is that you tell them. Amen? God's not giving our children a spirit of fear, but of power. Oh, no. When they walk in, it's like, here I am. And God is with me. Of love and of self-discipline. Oh, I'm going to be good because God's with me. Oh, no. I'm not doing that. Oh, I'm not getting that mess because I am blessed by God. And so this morning, we want to pray over our children. Lord, this is our heart down here. These are, these are, Lord, this is what we give our lives for, the children. And Jesus, you said, let the little children come to you. And you said, anyone that, that harmed a little child would be better thrown into the sea and drowned than to hurt a little child. And so, Father, today we pray protection over them. Lord, anyone that's thinking of any harm against, against our school system or against our children, we pray right now, God, that you stop that. And, Lord, right now you put a hedge around these children. Lord, we ask you to set angels around every one of them, Father. And, God, we pray that this year that you would move with them. And we pray for every teacher and every faculty member, oh, God, they're missionaries in our school. And we pray that you would bless them and keep them safe, oh, God, and that their influence, oh, Lord, would point these children to you. And, God, we pray your blessing over everyone. We ask your Holy Spirit to surround and protect and provide. And, God, as they get on school buses and as they walk down school corridors, oh, God, we pray that your Holy Spirit would be there with them. And they would know your power and they would feel your love, oh, God, and that they would walk in your discipline, oh, Lord, that they may have a successful life. And we pray this today in the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus. And everybody said together, ready? Amen. 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 God bless you. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's secview.net and click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.